0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, gopowercat.com's Kansas State Athletics show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Powercat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald.
1: Welcome to another edition of the GoPowerCat.com PowerCat Powercat Questions podcast. One of two this week. That's right. You're not hallucinating. We're going to have two. We had so many great questions, but we wanted to get this one out early that deals with more timely stuff, including basketball, which will be our second half, and then we will record another one for later in the week because... You are swell, and you deserve it. And we've got lots to say. We're sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Please make sure you stop in the fridge whenever you come to town. The fridge is at the corner of—Zach, I'm going to get it right now. It's at Claflin and Westport. Correct. Yep. Notice I leave Avenue or Drive or all that off now because Riley would get so mad when I wouldn't get those right. It's at Claflin and Westport right here in the heart of Manhattan, not far from my house, very convenient, not far from the stadium. More convenient. Close to Bramlage. Might be needed. Hey, get into the fridge whenever you come to town. And that includes for Wednesday night's big, big basketball game for the Wildcats against Marquette. The Cats, of course, are coming off a very nice win down in Wichita against the Shockers. I think it surprised a lot of people, including me. I was a little bit surprised, especially the way that game started. Anyhow, uh, I'm Fitz, and that's Zach Carlson, and the guy that wasn't surprised was Ryan Gilbert, and Cole Carmody is acting like, yeah, you're a dumbass. We thought they were going to (laughs) win. They're all in here with me and uh, two dogs. There we go. That's it. Our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. Make sure you stop into Aggieville and visit and support your local businesses or downtown, but we appreciate everything Tanners and the High Low do for us, and thank you to Tanners for hosting Cole and I and Zach and some other unmentionable people as we watched football on Saturday. And I went home like a responsible adult before it got out of hand. Unmentionable because the listeners will say we miss him. Yeah. um, We miss him. He didn't get injured uh, during the course of drinking. And then the other one is my friend Toby that nobody really wants to know. (laughs) Yeah, he just, he's always got stories. Let's get going to your questions from Wild Bass Station. Gills, Coles, I'll read it.
2: Coles got it. Go. First question comes from Wagcat. Which strip mall will be having a Go Power Cat party
1: at the Texas Bowl? Okay, now Let's back up here. Um, so at, when they went for Ron Prince, uh, we had a pregame party the night before <laughs> at a Fox Sports Grill. Those aren't things anymore, but the one in Houston was really cool. It was really amazing. It was big, and we tried to warn them. We tried to warn them that uh, we're going to have a lot of people. And no matter, back in the day when doing a bar site was a big deal and everyone wanted to go, I can't explain to you what we would do between when I was part of Powercat Game Day or doing our own thing with uh, bowl locations how we would just completely overrun bars They'd have their biggest night of business ever, or biggest day of business ever. They'd run out of Bud Light. Just, I mean, no matter what you told them, they didn't believe you. Wags was at the Fox sports grill because his wife, Jesse worked for us at the time. And, uh, it was a, uh, it was a mess. It, it, I mean, a good mess. If you understand drinking, when I say it's a mess, uh, it was. Uh, well, Jesse barely made it to the game the next day. Let's put it that way. So, Wags is scarred by the experience of a gopowercat dot slash powercat illustrated party. I don't think we're going to have one, but I, because yeah, let's be honest here, people are savvy now. People kind of they bend everywhere. The internet exists. They don't need to be told where to go. They can find their own fun. We we just saw dwindling numbers and stopped doing it. In fact, I don't even think Powercat Game Day even does live shows anymore on the road. Well, one member of the Goat Powercat staff
2: will be having a party. Mm. He will be in Mexico at a sports bar mm. with his feet in the sand drinking said drink that is completely free of charge watching football.
1: so I'm going to uh, leave this employee unnamed. D- do you want to name what location in Mexico this employee will be at in case anyone else would like to join them? Uh, Dead. Can-
2: Cancun, Cancun, Mexico.
1: Okay. So uh,
2: if, if you see this person there, just go by and you don't have to say anything. Just put on your K-State shirt, sit next okay. to them and
1: they'll know. Um, uh, Gills, oh, that's not you though. Unfortunately, it is not. Zach, it's, it's not you. It is not me. I will be in Houston. With me and Goins. It's not Wally. He's a responsible adult. Huh. Hmm. Anyhow, huh. Uh, we'll have, he'll have his own party in Mexico. Mexico. But we will be uh, in the Spanish-speaking Republic of Houston, Texas for the game. And uh, I hope you will join us if we have something. I'll just be honest. It's it's a lot of work for, I don't know, last time we were in Houston, we picked a different location and we overran that bar, right? I mean, we should pick
3: someplace and tell people to go there. I don't know if we'll have anything Yeah. too official. We oh, might go post up somewhere and have dinner. And If you guys want to say hi, you can say hi and take pictures and do whatever else, sign autographs, but don't expect anything big time. I'm only going to sign a couple autographs. Yeah, exactly. That'll be for me.
1: Hmm. Oh, you're San Carlson. I like your autograph.
2: Next question comes from Purple underscore Cheese. Will K-State fans represent well in Houston?
1: Good question. I think so. But not like old times. Not like... 20,000 wherever the bowl destination was. Those times have passed. Like I said, everyone's gotten more savvy. They've seen the sites. They've gone to a lot of these bowls. They find them repetitious now. The Big 12 not refreshing the bowls stinks. I mean, I think they would have done – had a lot of people in Orlando – Probably having to drive. I mean, seriously, people, it was going to be so expensive to go to Orlando. I, I think a lot of people said we're going, and then looked at the price and we're not going because the hotels are full. Every, everything's just overrun during that time because families all go to Orlando, get out of their cold spots during that time of year. There's going to be a lot of purple there. I can tell you that between LSU and K State. Yep. there will be a lot of purple there. I don't so LSU is going to provide much. Yeah, it's a. They'll probably look at that as a really long drive, not worth it. How, it's not I that still far. feel like there's going to be. It's not, it's not at all.
3: Yeah, I still like. I still feel like there's going to be equal fans between the two
1: teams. Uh, yeah, I mean, I in think all it's fairness, probably about. 50, I don't know. 50. I don't know LSU's fan base, but I would imagine Houston is a big landing spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I would.
3: But um, I mean, if if how many people went to the Stanford game? Twenty-five thousand, k Stevens, mm-hmm. yeah. probably. Yeah, that's probably my over/under for this game. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if it was less. I'd be a little surprised if it was more, but...
1: It is is four-hour and 20-minute drive. Mm-hmm.
3: I could see 25,000 K-State fans and 25,000 LSU fans. I don't know. LSU people
2: are crazy about football. You know, they have a 100,000-seat stadium for...
3: Yeah, but it's a bowl game without a real head coach. You're 6-6. Six and and six. You're 6-6. Six and, six and let's and be honest.
1: You're playing K-State? Mm-hmm. playing K-State. Fair enough. I bet... I mean... I'm sorry, I mean we were looking at the Cheese at Bowl against Wake Forest and turning up our noses. I guarantee you, LSU's done the same thing. I, I mean, just right now where the program's at, it's not sexy and Iowa State's done a better job of promoting their brand right now, and they were more attractive to the Cheese at Bowl to match with Clemson. But as I said my daily delivery, I'm happy I'm really happy with this because one of the reasons is exactly it. This people have access to it. They'll be able to go. I hope.
2: Now, next question comes from KSU number one, sticking with the bowl theme. How do you like LSU as a matchup?
1: I I haven't studied them yet. Uh, I mean, I can guarantee you they got lots of talent. I I just don't understand how programs like that end up six and six with that much talent. I don't I don't get it at all. I don't I can't wrap my mind around it. So, um, yeah, it was just a weird season for them, but. I like the value that they bring to the table. It it's good to beat them if you can.
2: Well Max Johnson is their quarterback, um, a left handed left handed guy who I I've watched not a ton of LSU, but you know I have watched him a little bit and there was a little quarterback controversy that was going on, um, w- within, uh, LSU. He played, uh, all the games or he played six games last year. He did appear in all the games this year, but I believe if I'm not mistaken, he's uh, Brad Johnson's son, you know, Brad Johnson, former Super Bowl winning quarterback for Tampa Bay. I'll have to double check that, but, um, yeah, so I, he's probably going to be the guy and he hasn't put up amazing numbers by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, He's a young guy, so I do think that um, it'll be a good matchup for K-State. I'm excited because we were talking about this. There's going to be some players that opt out for LSU. The guys that are going to be for sure fire NFL draft picks, not necessarily first-round draft picks, but for sure fire NFL draft picks are going to most likely opt out because, I mean, what's the point in playing in yeah, the bowl game? you're right. Yeah, that's,
1: that's going to be a big problem. Well, for a lot of teams going forward. I mean, if you're going to hit the transfer portal, you'll do it before the bowl. But if you're LSU does recruit and sign NFL caliber type talent and those guys, why? Why would you play? If you if you feel like you're going to be drafted, why play in a rather meaningless bowl game against a team that, you know, really won't move the needle unless you do something spectacular with your draft? options my
3: early gut feeling is that this game is going to be similar to the texas game as far as from an opponent standpoint a lot of talent is the motivation there to go out and win the game because that the texas game was really winnable for k-state even with a backup quarterback
1: yeah, I'm, they, ha- I'm having flashbacks
3: sorry sorry for the flashbacks but ptsd i think that lsu is an extremely similar team for what they are and right. what k-state has played I so i think that Even, you know, if you have Skylar Thompson at quarterback and you get him back healthy, I think K-State has a good chance of winning the game. I do, too. Yeah. Next
2: question. Next question.
3: Jedediah. Gills, Gills, you okay over there? I agree. Okay, thank you.
2: Okay, here we go. Next question from Jedediah. How much of a benefit could Adrian Martinez provide to the K-State
1: offense in 2022? Gills, I want your opinion on this. This is one, as a young guy, I want want to know what you think of this possibility of Adrian Martinez coming to K-State. I'm all for it. You know, uh, honestly, folks. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Hard hitting analysis from Gills. Great day Gills. Uh, As a, as a guy that covers Kansas state, I haven't been paying attention enough to Nebraska, but I know the highlights are impressive, but the mistakes are also impressive. Cole. Oh
2: yeah. He's, he's made mistakes. They haven't made a bowl game in four years. Right. The people that complain, Oh, I don't want Adrian Martinez. Look what he did at Nebraska. Well, guess what people Guess what? They haven't made a bowl game, but it's not all his fault. He was a highly rated quarterback recruit that would be an upgrade over Will Howard, Jaron Lewis, Jake Rubley, and probably Skylar Thompson,
1: if he's healthy. If he's healthy, that's what's interesting about this. He's not healthy. He wouldn't. He's not going to be able to do spring football to acclimate himself to the system. I find it really interesting. Um, now, look, I I think he will help this team because even if he's not healthy. And 100 percent, he will push those other quarterbacks and he will be able to offer something in some way of some value to this team next year, even if it isn't as an every down quarterback. The reality of the situation, everybody will be
2: learning a new system, right? It's not going to be the exact same system that Courtney Messingham ran.
1: It'll be really similar.
2: It'll be similar, but there's going to be different terminology. terminology. There's going to be different plays. There's going to be different formations. Things are going to be a little different. It's not going to be the same. Things are going to be a little different. And you have a fourth-year quarterback like Adrian Martinez. That learning curve is going to be wherever he goes. It's looking like he's going to either end end up at K-State or end up at Cal. Wherever he goes, there's going to be a learning curve there. I still don't know if that matters, just solely because he's played. He has not been in a program. He has played in a program at Nebraska for four years already. He understands the basic concepts of football.
3: If Adrian Martinez does go to K-State, I don't want him to be the starter. I think that Will Howard and Jake – I would rather have Will Howard and Jake Rubley and just stick with it and go 6-6 and than go 7-5 and with Adrian Martinez because he only has one year of eligibility. If you want to go find a transfer quarterback, that's fine. But is preventing the development of your two future stars – for quarterback potential, one, yeah. uh, potential, but one of them's one of them is going to have to be the starter, at, you know, in 2023 and beyond. So why delay the inevitable and get them experience? I mean, that's the problem we've seen with Will Howard this year. He didn't have the experience and you have to throw him out there and he struggled at times, but he's shown that he can be good at times. And the more play experience you give your quarterbacks, it's just like Skylar Thompson in 17 and 18. He struggled. Yes. But look where he is now, and everybody loves him. People were clamoring for benching Skylar Thompson, like they were, well, like they are Will Howard today. These quarterbacks need time, and if you're going to have a three, four, five year guy, and if you want to keep them around like Jake Rubley or Will Howard, you have to play them. You can't bring people in to play one year. And even Skylar Thompson, as much as I love the guy and him coming back was great, you know that did prevent. Mm-hmm. The development of of Will Howard and Jake Rubley. So you had twenty twenty one where you should have had Will Howard, and then you sh- next year you should have Will Howard again. You're really going to push Will Howard at twenty twenty three where you he's playing, or even Jake Rubley. You can't just yeah. stunt the development
1: of your quarterbacks that you bring in. You either have to let the you, you got to let them fly. This though indicates to me they're not happy with what they've got at quarterback right now because. They're looking at a one-year guy, a one-and-done, bridge the gap until these guys are more ready, or honestly, before maybe they recruit someone else. I think they feel like these guys have the potential. They're just not there yet, particularly Rubley. And I almost feel like Adrian Martinez is a a gap stop measure to get you to Jake Rubley. I agree. Or someone else.
2: This This tells me that they don't think Will Howard is ready. Or he ever
1: will be, quite Or honestly. ever will be. And and if you go get, like, the Central Florida quarterback or someone that has more than one year of eligibility, you will blow up the room. I mean, guys will leave. Uh, it, it, I mean, that would be an indication we don't think you're ever going to be the starter here because we just brought in this guy that can start for two or three years. And I think then you'd see guys leave. But this, this move might preserve the room um, in theory because – It helps. You can tell, Will, we're bringing in competition, not a replacement. This guy may not even be able to play. He may not be healthy enough to be an every-down quarterback. But there is going to be times when we need more experience at quarterback. And we need someone to come in when you get dinged. And maybe that's something you can sell to your quarterbacks. I think that this is a
2: selling point for Will that, hey, we're bringing him in, like you said, to compete. There's no guarantee that he's going to be the guy. And to your point, Zach... There's no guarantee that just because he comes in, he's going to win the starting job. This could push Will Howard to a, a, another level because this isn't Skylar Thompson. This is an outsider, right? So this is maybe motivation for Will. This is motivation for Jake. And do I think that Adrian Martinez is way better than both of those guys? I do. I understand he's gonna he had soldier, so, shoulder surgery. But I think if Adrian Martinez wants to come to K-State, you have to let him come because he will be an immediate upgrade at the quarterback position. I agree.
3: I just I think that you can't talk Will Howard up like you did all preseason and then bring in a guy when it's Will's time and say, well, actually, and, and he's injured at that too. If, if they bring in an injured Adrian Martinez and he wins the job over Will Howard, I would leave in fall camp. I would try getting on a roster somewhere else immediately. I mean, that's just, I, I wouldn't do it. It just It's insane if you're Will Howard at this point, I think, if you bring in Adrian Martinez, if he's not healthy and he's only going to compete for one year. But I do I do see the side of, hey, he's a veteran. He can be a leader. He can be competition. But still, if, if you're Will Howard and you've started games and won games in the Big 12 Conference and they don't believe in you at this point, even after all they've said, those words were meaningless. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: I I don't think there's any way to say this politically correct. I think Courtney Messingham stunted his growth by not letting him overmanage him. They, they just, yeah, he might make a mistake, Courtney, but Skyler did Skyler threw interceptions. I mean, it, it's just part of it. You got to let a guy, if you're not going to, if you're going to be that conservative, you're never going to make a big play. And that's what happened to Texas. So it is going to be a curious development. Um, I'm really more interested if this will be the only Nebraska player. I mean, Cade Warner might might usher in a, a number of guys that might be interested in coming to Kansas State based on what he said about the locker room and how he'd never been in a locker room as cohesive as this. I mean, I don't think he meant it as a shot at Nebraska, but that's a shot at Nebraska that the locker room's a mess.
2: Next question from Jay Hagenbush, I believe I pronounced that right. Well, we hope so. Tell oh. us if we're wrong. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the podcast. He's new to the site. Um, how important is it that K-State picks up a transfer at wide receiver?
1: Uh, They've got to. they got to because there's more to come, I think. I mean – You know, we'll, we'll see what plays out. Malik, he, you know, we've been through this now three years. I'm in, I'm out. I'm in. He just keeps talking about transferring. And last year he decided to stay in big part because his quarterback that he wanted to play with at North Texas went to Kansas. Uh, but, um, yeah, he's back to whispering about transferring and that, but even if he comes back, you still need another guy. I mean,
2: Tyrone Howe left.
1: Yeah. So you gotta replace him. Yep. Um, I think the answer to
2: this question is it's extremely important. But if you go back to Jedediah's question, if you get Adrian Martinez, there will be receivers. Fitz Fitz mentioned Nebraska. It wouldn't surprise me if there's – I have no idea about the receiver room at Nebraska, but it wouldn't surprise me if another Cade Warner-like player decided, oh, hey, my quarterback that I just played with is going to K-State. Maybe I should look at it too. There will be receivers that respect Adrian Martinez that say, hey, I might think about coming there because I know that there is a quarterback that can get me the ball because say what you want to say about him. He is, I believe, the all-time yardage leader at Nebraska, all-time passing yardage leader at Nebraska. That says something. So there's going to be receivers that want to come to K-State, you would think, if they do pick up
3: Adrian Martinez. Let's see here. It be interesting if they did bring more players from Nebraska. Because how many other teams bring in transfers and it's basically just bringing in another team's offense? when you think about it. Yeah. I don't think that ever, that's ever happened. I mean, I get the transfer portal's young, but it's kind of an interesting concept or a possibility to think about, hey, we got a quarterback, let's bring in his guys too.
1: Eddie Martinez completed um, 62% of his passes this year, not, not the best. Um, average 9.4 yards per completion, 14 touchdowns, and here's the rub, 10 interceptions. But his quarterback rating was 148.9. He's a good quarterback. You got to get him out of the interceptions. And like I said, I, you know, Cole, certainly if he decides to come here, I'm going to turn you loose on a film breakdown of him. I'm going to turn you loose on a film breakdown of LSU. I'm just going to let all our VIPs know that those type of things will be coming from Cole because he loves that so much. And Gil's likes to watch film too, it's just not of football games.
4: I uh, I do understand, switching subjects here, that <laughs> K-State did just have a coaching change with the offensive coordinator. So let's be fair. But at the same time, if you're a wide receiver, as we stand today without Adrian Martinez, why in the world would you come to K-State if Will Howard or Jake Rubley is going to be your coach? I'm with you, man. It's, so that's it's a it's tough so sell.
1: To get Martinez. It's a tough sell. Even with Martinez, the way the offense has functioned, and that's one of the things I appreciate. Chris Kleiman, uh terminated a friend or didn't renew his contract. A, a close friend, not an acquaintance. He's known him since they were kids. They went to different high schools, granted, but they've played on sports teams together. It's, it's not easy. Trust me, I know. And um, uh, it it had to be in part because recruiting to this offense became extremely tough. It had to. It just didn't look like at all like the offense that was on display at North Dakota State. I don't know what happened. This is not the same offense we scouted. And the one that they ran at North Dakota State was just perfect for getting you in the NFL. And this one is, is perfect for getting you injured. Uh, just getting you out of the game. I So I'm glad the change was made. I, I didn't necessarily want Courtney fired. I mean, my dream, honestly, was to have him be a chief of staff that's in charge of the transfer portal, and he's just constantly monitoring players out across college football. But, you know, maybe he wants to stay in coaching. I don't know.
2: Sticking with the coaching front for the last question of the first half, this comes from TN Cat. Which of these guys will have the best first year in charge? Brent Venables at Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley at USC, Brian Kelly at LSU, or as I should say, Brian Kelly. At LSU with his fake Southern accent, Emily, and or Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame.
1: I'm gonna pick Freeman actually. Um, there's a lot of buy-in from the players, and I and I'll put Lincoln Riley second. I don't think Oklahoma quite knows what they're. Uh, Brian Kelly's gonna be war- horrible. That that's a disastrous hire. That is a fish out of water hire. He did just hire
2: um, the old
1: recruiting director at that who
2: resigned from McNeese. Just like 20 minutes later, accepts the recruiting position at LSU. So that will help him. But, yeah, I'm with you I'm with Brian Kelly. That didn't make any sense. It
4: doesn't make any sense. It sounds good, but. Well, think I, of how many more guys you can recruit now at LSU. You don't have any of these academic standards that you have to worry oh,
1: about I, I, I I agree with that. But the reason he's down there instinctively faking a Southern accent is <laughs> being Southern yeah. is almost essential to them to feel like they want to play for you. I mean, the South is just rich in prospects, but they want to play for someone that understands their home, and that's not Brian Kelly. He, he can take you to the country club for a great round of golf probably, and he probably knows the best laundromat that puts the right amount of starch in your button downs. Just not very Southern at all. I think that's trouble. I think Brent Venables is very intriguing to me. Brent's upside is enormous, and his downside will be tragic. I have said this for a long time. I'm not sure he has the demeanor of a head coach. He is very active, very vocal, very profane at times, very abusive at times. He has the demeanor of a defensive coordinator. Now, Bob Stoops had all of that and adjusted, toned it down, became a head coach. And that's what Brent Venables needs to do. Mike Stoops never learned that. Mike Stoops never got rid of the, I'm going to yell and cuss at everyone because I'm the fiery defense coordinator thing. And now he's not, not a def, not a head coach, not a defense coordinator as far as I know. I don't even know if he's, where he's at right now. Um, Brent's going to have to adjust his style. But it's not – It's for me, and being around Brent for a very long time when he was here – This isn't something he's doing because he's a defensive coach. This is just who he is. He is a fireball. He is amazing how active he is. Now, does that translate to being a head coach? Because so much of what you do, we see on the football field on game day. Or we understand on the field in practice. But a head coach does a lot more. A lot more. And is he going to be right for that? So, I think Brent is a brilliant young coach who was waiting for the right opportunity and the right amount of pay to get him out of there, and he finally found it. Now the question is, is he the right guy? Oklahoma's been very fortunate through their history hiring coordinators with no head coaching experience, and I'm not sure Brent Venables will translate to that, but there's no way to ever be sure about anyone. I mean, how many times have I thought someone will be a surefire hit and they haven't? I mean, it just happens. We'll find out, and I'm kind of glad... Honestly, as much as I would have wanted Brent to be here, kind of glad someone else gets to find this out because if he if he struggles at Oklahoma and doesn't work right as they're transitioning to the SEC, it'll damage their program, but it's Oklahoma, it come back. If he'd flamed out as head coach at K-State, uh, I don't know where we'd be right now. I don't I don't know. So, let's, let's let Oklahoma take this one on um and just understand that he's been other places longer than he was at Kansas State now and and for some people that the the pull of the alma mater isn't the same when you're in the coaching profession he was like ten years in Oklahoma ten years in Clemson folks he's been gone a long time he's he's somewhere else mentally now you mentioned he's a young coach he's 50 years old yeah he is um it it's amazing for me to think of Brent Venables as 50. Uh, but um I mean as opposed to Freeman at Notre Dame who's 30-something? He's in his 30s, yeah. Yeah, I mean, young. 30. So was Lincoln Riley, right? Um, yeah. Uh, I think Lincoln Riley is going to be really successful at USC for a big reason. The Pac-12 sucks. Mm-hmm. It, it and got it, even worse with the Oregon. And, and they're going to get um, so much more talent out of the L.A. area with Lincoln Riley there that's been bleeding out to places just like Oklahoma. I mean, this is probably a case. You know how some – 80s, as a reflex, hire the coach that beat their team in that season. He's been beating the snot out of him in recruiting in L.A., and that's kind of what they did. Well, let's bring him in. So I, I think he'll be successful. Um, and, yeah, he ran from the SEC. Yeah, people in Oklahoma think there's shame in that. No, there isn't. This is his career. It's his career, not, you know, Oklahoma fans act like they owned a Lincoln Riley. Like he was their bitch. Like, you know, he can't have other hopes and dreams. Everything had to be Lincoln. You got to do what's best for Oklahoma. That's not how some people work. And honestly, I think now that you're going to the SEC, get used to it. Look around the SEC and figure out who the long-term coaches are. LSU fired a guy who just won a national title a few years ago. In the Big 12, you don't get fired if you won a Big 12 title a
2: few years ago. I think the best coach, the best football coach... The best guy who can coach the sport of football on this list is Brian Kelly. I agree, so I think to answer the question specifically the best first year, I think it's going to be Brian Kelly. but when you recruit when you go into recruiting and you go into managing a program like that, if you look at all these all uh, all these teams that are listed, I would think, as far as talent wise Oklahoma and LSU have the best talent. who knows how to manage a talent manage talent better between Oklahoma and lSU I would say. Brian Kelly at LSU. So I think Brian Kelly will have, as far as wins and losses go, the best first season. Uh, Marcus Freeman has another chance just because it's Notre Dame and who they play. But I think Brian Kelly, to answer the question.
3: I think it's Marcus Freeman because I get kind of a Lincoln Riley vibe from that hire. Lincoln Riley takes over for Bob Stoops and it's just like he never left and he made it better. I think that's Marcus Freeman. I think Marcus Freeman can and will take Notre Dame to the next level. And I get that there's only what one more spot to get into the playoff for them to be next level. But I th- I think that they're not going to drop off. I think they're going to be right there with Marcus Freeman. But I think after that probably goes Lincoln Riley, then Brian Kelly, then Brent Venables. I think Venables has the biggest question mark here.
1: And one final
4: thing. Gills, you got anything? I was going to say that Brian Kelly is going up against Bama, Auburn, Georgia, all these schools. Yeah. And Lincoln Riley is going up against <laughs> garbage cans. So Lincoln Riley is my answer. I don't care how good or bad of a coach Kelly can be. The competition in the Pac-12 just sucks.
1: Yeah. So that's my answer. You go in there with a good plan and some recruiting, you're going to win a bunch of games. The Pac-12 is just ripe for the picking. You look at Oregon. They were supposed to emerge as the team that beat Ohio State. Oh, they're so good. Utah just kicks the snot out of them. Utah, which, you know, was a Mountain West program and a really good one, now is the best in the Pac-12. And that just defines where the Pac-12 is at more than the improvement Utah's made. Now, honestly, uh, you look at what BYU did. I, they would have won that conference. They would have won the conference. It's just crazy how bad the Pac-12 is. Um, I can't remember my final thought, but we'll. we'll Sorry, we'll, I stole it from you. That's all right. That's all right. I, that's it. It's not your fault. The brain doesn't work anymore. <laughs> the mouth mouth works. It works fine, as you can tell. Well. I'll work on the brain during this break to listen to the Powercat Questions podcast sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We'll be right back after this with some hoops talk. Cats take on Marquette Wednesday night at Bramwich Coliseum. Should be fun.
0: GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. welcome back to the power cat podcast now let's return to the gpc studios
1: Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions podcast, brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you stop into the fridge whenever you visit Manhattan. It is a wonderful, wonderful place. We're also sponsored in our segments by Tanners and the High Low. Stop through Aggieville. Uh, High Low's done up for Christmas again. If you're a Christmas person and a person who likes a lovely cocktail, you got to go to the High Low. It's it's unbelievable. It's like Clark Griswold owns a bar. <laughs> Don't, favorite don't try movie. going in there to watch sports. Not not this time of year. They will not change the channel. Nope. Christmas movies. Really? Exclusively Christmas That's movies. That's amazing. Huh. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. I kind of wish they did this year-round with different, different holidays. Like every holiday, they just went all in. See, that sounds good in theory.
3: I know. I know. I'm, I'm good at theory. The big problem with this is instead of playing actual movies, they're going to have to play Hallmark movies. That's what it's going to be, because Hallmark is just going to be like, oh, we got Thanksgiving, Halloween. Charla there's Browns. plenty of scary movies okay, for Halloween. Sorry, I picked a bad one, but there's get plenty to Valentine's of movies for Day. the Fourth of July, St. Patrick's Day. There's probably ten Hallmark St. Patrick's Day, St. Patrick's Day movies. I'm and, certain of it.
1: And if I ever get my dream of uh, Fake Halloween every April or May after Spring Break in Aggieville, um, they they better. Trick the place out for that. See, I think they should reverse Fake Paddy's Day and Halloween. And uh, now in Aggieville, is Fake Paddy's Day still going to be a thing? Oh yeah, it'll never go. Some bars will use it for promotion. Okay, I mean it's great. For any anything like that gets people in. That's why I want fake Halloween. I want the fake of July. I want them all faked out. <laughs> fake of fake July is just New Year's. <laughs> I know. Giving? I don't know how you do that in Aggieville, but just make a thousand fake holidays. Aggieville needs to be the place of fake holidays. How did I get on this? I don't know. Christmas. This is the this Hilo. Is
4: a, Thanks a lot, Hilo. This
1: is the brain. The brain just kind of goes. The mouth kind of co- wanders off. The brain's like, where are you? Uh, and also, uh, Tanners, if you do want to watch sports, <laughs> that's your place. It was so awesome. I mean, we had TVs. We had everything going on on Saturday. We watched the Big Twelve game or whatever. Oh, it was great. It was great. Here's your questions from
2: All Bass Station. First question of the second half comes from KSU number 1. Thoughts on the Wichita State win? Question go for it, Fitz.
1: Yeah. Sure. It was a surprising win. The way the game started, I thought, oh, boy, here we go. Another sluggish start. What is this about football in the third quarter and basketball in the first five minutes of a game, typically? It just got to get their feet under it. But, boy, when they got going— and I think part of it was an uncertainty of not having Nigel Pack on the floor. I mean, he is kind of the heart and soul of this team. And I, I just want to give a shout-out to Marquise Noel because he really played his best game. I mean, what, he had one turnover? Four assists? That's, you know, he, he... He jacked up a couple of threes. Yeah, seconds. he jacked up a couple, couple, up, heat, couple but, heat checks. He has, <laughs> he has a tendency uh, to lack self-control. And I recognize this as a person who has a tendency... To lack self-control. He'll just throw up a three-pointer like, dude, what are you doing? Um, And he'll make a pass down the court like, well, the percentages of this pass leading to something productive are about 10%. Quit making that pass. So, as he edits his game and gets better, it'll be impressive. Now, the bigger picture for me, uh, the win was fantastic. The win sets up Wednesday night against Marquette just being enormous. Because there was a discussion of it. What happens if Bruce wins these two games? Will people buy back in? I don't know. Cole, you've run into this on the boards. People are just done. I mean, they're, yeah. they're done. And short of a Big 12 title again, um, they're, they're, not, they're not coming back. Because they know even if you'd win a Big 12 title, we'd have another drop off. For whatever reason that is. At least that's the perception. I, I think it was good for the program. But by God, that was an incredible atmosphere. That was a fun game. How many times do you really have, outside of a conference tournament or a great NCAA tournament matchup that is regionalized, two fan bases in an arena together like they were? Because I don't know what the mix was. Twenty five seventy five. I was going to go eighty yeah. twenty. Yeah. But yeah. the K-Staters that were there were invested, and they were loud. Yeah. They did a yeah. great job. It was a really cool atmosphere. It's really good for basketball in the state. And... Just look what it did for the fan base. It motivated them. It fired them up. They they appreciated it. Put games in that non-conference of value. You don't have to. Nebraska is a perfect example. There's value in going to Lincoln. It's accessible for fans and the teams. It cuts down on your budget. But... There's just value in playing a familiar name and a familiar foe. So you don't have to go say, well, we're going to go play Duke. That's not what we're saying. We're saying just find some teams that of interest mm-hmm. to your fan base. And this certainly is one. I'm glad it's a contract that is going to go over the next three seasons also. And I hope they extend it and keep doing it. Although Gills wants more games that feel like a home game. Right? I mean that was fun. But yeah, you, you have agree. a and, and I understand your point here. Technically going to the Team Mobile Center as our offset for interest isn't equal. No. I mean, both programs are roughly two hours away from that mm-hmm. building. But it will be a K State game in which there's more K State fans in Kansas City, and I think we'll see a again a seventy five twenty five mix in Kansas City. But how fun for Wichita State fans. They get to go up there and experience, you know, if they have the game on a Saturday, which I hope they would, uh, or a Friday, a power night, light, you know, just like the big tool tournament. It'll be fun. It'll be really cool. And then we'll do the home and home thing, and then let's start it all over again. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Coach Weber, for doing it. Thank you, Gene Taylor, for doing it. And thank you for WSU for doing it. Um, I just think it was great. And now they're playing Missouri and Oklahoma State and K-State, and it's great for their program. It's awesome. That was the
4: most fun I've had at, a, at Go Powercat here was working cool. with us. That was the most fun I've ever had at a game, football or basketball.
1: And I hope people show up Wednesday night because that could be really fun. That's a big game. It's a name opponent. It's what you've been wanting. I know some of you are done. But if you're not done, if, you, if you're still hanging on, get to the arena. There's tickets available plenty. I think
2: the win for K-State just makes the game against Marquette that much more important. Oh. Because, you know, if you lose that game, then I think people are kind of, okay, well, yeah, this is what we thought, right? I mean, they didn't expect them to win. They lose that game, people are like, "Yeah, this is kind of what we think, but I think the win for people that maybe aren't paying attention they you know they get they see the score on the bottom of the screen, they open Twitter, they you know get on the site and and they see that k State won and it's like, oh, you know, maybe their eyes perk up a little bit and they're not invested, but if k State goes out on Wednesday and beats Marquette, a team who I'll be honest, you guys, k State should beat if you look at all the advanced metrics, if you look at the ESPN um, you know, predictor machine. I don't know, Zach. You're all into that.
3: All of the BPI basketball power index.
2: Yeah, you look at everything. K State should win the game, um, but it's against the name opponent, right? So that might make people a little bit more bought in, and then they'll have time to see the the Morgan states of the world where K State should. And I don't think this is a bold bold take. Win all those games, um, and then should, they play in conference. So should they I, beat Nebraska. Oh yes,
1: I don't think Nebraska is very. No, they're good. horrible. Yeah. The thing about it is, uh, I'm I'm just going to say this. I don't think K State beats Wichita State on Sunday if they hadn't played Arkansas and Illinois. Mm-hmm. They now understand as a team what what level they're going to have to compete at, and I have felt like the non conference wasn't really preparing K State for the Big Twelve, uh, and it just you've got to be in this zone. This you've got to play so hard i'm not talking about the play hard chart you' just literally got to as as jay Hydrick always tells me the play hard chart shouldn't be something you're rewarded for it should be the baseline expectation, expectation. yep you, you shouldn't be way to play hard no you play hard you don't get rewarded for playing hard you get you, that's why you're playing that's your reward um but they got after it they were intense there was battles it got a little testy at times. Loved it. Loved everything about it. Nice win for K-State, even though it really wasn't a well-played game in many ways. Um, both teams kind of shot and struggled at times, but it uh, it was nice. It was good. It's It was refreshing after the last two years.
4: It wasn't a well-played game, but there was a stretch in the second half where Wichita State didn't score a point for almost eight minutes, I think. So. Wichita State was bad in the second half. Again, that's, that's got to Credit K-State's defense.
3: Credit K-State's defense. Credit to K-State having the run that they did at the end. But boy, if if Wichita State just plays a little better, I don't know if we're having yeah. the same
4: conversation.
3: But
1: we I'm haven't s-
4: even mentioned that Nigel Pack didn't play in this game, right? He plays in case that wins by double digits. I'm convinced.
1: Well, you, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, I think we discovered, or maybe Marquise Noel, Marcus Noel. How are you, say Marquise? It? Marquise, why, why, why? And, you know, uh I maybe he understood understands now how he needs to play at this level. At his previous school, he was a show. He was it. He's starting to figure it out. I he, think. he was it, mm-hmm. and he needed he needed to jack that up. He needed to take chances. He needed to do this. But boy, when he when he makes better calculations, man, he had an assist to Casey Izagü that first of all, how Casey caught it, I don't know. He, <laughs> and he joked about it in the post game. But um, and we talked about this on the ride home. I think we saw Curtis Kelly's impact on Casey in that game mm-hmm. with that. Keep your hands up. Keep your feet moving man he was good he was that was as good as he's ever played I agree and he, he doesn't
4: hard. he doesn't play as good as he does
1: if Noel doesn't give him those passes right and and they just kept running that you know pick and roll on um, the help side wasn't coming to to pin off the the post to get to the rim and they just ran it over and over he got fourteen easy points, but I mean he rebounded he defended he took a huge charge late. it was just a really nice nice game for Casey and boys hurting. Man, watching him down on the floor, you know, we were sitting right there by the bench, constantly stretching, constantly trying to get that knee to cooperate more. Where his back, I saw him, like, swing his leg really violently, and I go, oh, he's popping his back. You know, I'm like, I wish I could do that, because uh, he was trying to get that last bottom pop out of it. It was It's fun watching him, because he struggles, but, man, he plays hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question comes from The Boss Cat.
2: Huh. Thank uh, you, thank you for that. Uh, very, he's new user, so welcome to the site and first time asking a question. So, huh. <laughs> is that again? No, he's, um, he's out of control. What do you guys expect the attendance to be at the basketball game on Wednesday? Do you think it will go up if they win?
3: I don't know if it'll go up if they win because it's kind of a standalone island game with mm-hmm. a big time opponent. Yeah. Mm. I don't think that people are going to go to the game if they do or if they see they beat Marquette and be like, wow, I want to go watch them play Green Bay at 4 p.m. on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Like, I just I don't know if that's going to help. Now, come conference play, maybe a little bit, but... You know, I think that the fact that it's you're gonna have to bring your sunglasses to watch the game, <laughs> um, that the might be rush. a little bit of a, a fun time. Apparently, Marquette is either gonna be wearing yellow or blue. Bruce I, said it was baby blue, sky blue, powder blue in the press conference today. It's gonna be which really matters. Well, it's just gonna be not
1: fun to watch I hope it's gonna be awful. I hope nobody out there has a black and white TV and this game is between lavender and baby blue because they will look the same in gray I mean they have to be in yellow don't they you would think uh, that was I don't even know yellow was was would look, or look or bad in, in black and black and
3: uh, black and white no it was Tom before yeah Kellis asked Either way, though, start.
2: I, I think, I think, um, I, I don't know. I'm curious what you guys think about the attendance because that's a that's a big thing for me. And I've talked to you know people I know. It's like the students are bought in. Like the, stu- the the students will come out in full force, not just because they're giving out they're giving out jerseys. I think to the students, the ICAT pass holders are getting jerseys, the lavender jerseys, which are really cool. And I think that's awesome that the athletic department's doing that. But the students are going to be there. It's going to be the most full that they've been um, in the student section this year. And I think it'll rival a conference game with the students that show up because they're here. And they're bought in. Like, I think a lot of the students are excited about basketball.
1: It's just going to be everybody else. And the next two games are the Sunday games. I don't get this Sunday crap. It doesn't work well for me. Nebraska. Well, first of all, Green Bay this Sunday in Bramlage. And then they go to Nebraska on the 19th. Then they come home for a Tuesday game with McNeese State, Morgan State, and then we're off and running January 1st with Oklahoma. I have sent a text to find out if they're looking at moving uh, the Texas game, which is currently scheduled for 7 p.m. on January 4th, the bowl game. That kicks at 8 p.m. in Houston. See if they're trying to move that tip time. But, yeah, I mean, we're we're down to five non-conference games before they plunge into the conference schedule. And, of course, they'll have a non-conference game. On January twenty ninth, when uh, they go to Ole Miss, I might go to that. Just just to go tailgate. Hottie toddy. Yeah, just go, just go down wherever they tailgate and tailgate. Is that at Ole Miss? That's what it says yep. on here. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Well, sure, Oxford. No, I'm not going to that. Be no, burnt. we're not going. No, we're not going to
4: that. Cole, is this is this Dead Week? Uh, yes. Next week? Okay. So, students will. Yes, go I there. think the student section is going to be rocking.
1: This is she, the alumni. No. This is my thing guys. Why do we have a full week of Thanksgiving and then you come back and then it's dead week. Why don't we just move up the whole semester two, three weeks and be done at Thanksgiving, go home, come back earlier in January than you do. And then you're done. Not long after spring break. Quit, quit taking breaks, you lazy bums. You need to
2: talk to Mr. Richard Linton about
1: that. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll write him another letter. <laughs> another open letter posted um, to our friendly forum. An, another letter. Hey, Doc, I got more ideas. Here we go.
2: Very good. Uh, third question of the second half comes from CW Power Cat. Should Bruce embrace the small ball lineup more and start Selton Miguel over Ismasud? It seems like everything flows better with Selton in the game and Ish can't buy a bucket right now.
1: No, no. I, I mean, it worked against Wichita State. And granted, this is going to be a matchup based on who you play a little bit. I, I like Selden coming off the bench. Need a defensive stopper? Need, I mean, because he can try to defend, go from defending a small four to a point guard. I mean, that's a valuable tool to go cool someone off coming off the bench. Ish is going to be okay. I mean, I started calling him Mish. I'm sorry because he can't hit a bucket. But <laughs> wow. uh, I know it's it's cruel. He seems like a nice kid. Six points in, two, in three games. Uh, he just, he, he's got to get back to fundamental shooting. He's taking shots right now that uh, skilled scorers take. The little fadeaway, little pull-up jumper with, you know, dude, you, you can't make a basket Quit upping the difficulty here. Get back to your basics and shoot some jump shots. Um, But, yeah, they they need him. They can't just bench him. They've got to have him functioning. I would
2: rather have Selton in the starting lineup over Mike if we're going to put
1: Selton in the lineup. I'm all for that. I think Mike's a better guy to come off the bench. Mm -hmm. That is probably Mike's role. What I found interesting about... The win over Wichita State. You don't have Pack Bradford is out of shape and wasn't good and sat on the bench most of the day, and Ishmael didn't play well at all. And yet mm-hmm. you won because you have more more guys. Your young guys are older. You know, Mark Spencer brings a maturity and stability out there. And again, he's a guy that can slide down to the four, play the two, whatever you want from him. Is he awesome? No, but he's he's. I feel like he makes them better by being on the court because generally he makes good decisions. They just have more guys this year to pick from. And Logan Landers is effective. And Luke Kasupke came in and made shots. So they had other guys stand stand up and take care of business, which is a really positive sign.
4: Well, with Masood, early on in the year, he was kind of like Dean Wade, very timid, passed up some shots. And I have no doubt that the coaching staff was in his ear telling him to, you know, be confident and shoot those shots. And now he's, he's overdoing it fits like you'd mentioned. So there's a the middle ground there. You got to find the fine line with, with taking those good shots when they're there and not forcing stuff. So, you know, I, I I'm really not concerned with ish. I think one or two games and snappies he's out of his slump, but I mean, you've got to realize that Selton Miguel or, or Mark Smith going up against, a bigger four is not going to work out. No. It's just not. So I understand that if this was Mark Smith or Selton Miguel or Mike McGraw, whoever it may be at the guard position, they'd be on the bench. They would lose their starting spot. But Ish, it's just a different breed there. So I don't see him coming out of the starting five. I just don't. And because you, you mentioned Landers. Landers is not ready to play at this level. I'm no.
1: Sorry, and, he's not. And if you get into a game where you need a true stretch four, Landers can go there and relieve Ish. You can do – I mean, last year when they were trying to play – Iziagu and Bradford at the same time was tragically bad. I just didn't know. So, um, yeah, I'm not too worried about it right now. But if it perpetuates into conference season, he's a shooter, folks. He's going to shoot himself out of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, he knows that. And that's why he keeps shooting. Um, It's not not like he forgot how to make baskets. It'll come back. It's just you're in a rut and you'll get
2: out of it. So last question of the podcast kind of goes right along with what we've been discussing from CFID. Um, Who should be the starting five come conference play?
4: Nigel Pack, Selton Miguel, Mark Smith, Shude, and y'all ready for this? Casey Ziegu. Yeah. Casey's earned it
1: right now. Mm I mean, and Bradford's got to get himself in better shape. He's got to get back in shape. Yeah. He is way behind where he was even last year. I mean, he was struggled at the start of the year, but now coming off injury, I think he's lost some confidence. He's he, struggled to dunk the ball. Yeah. You're some he feet tall got, kid. Did he get like, blocked by the rim? Yeah. Yeah.
4: Wow. Easy has been awesome. And and Bradford, I do want to be fair. It's kind of the same thing with Kazubki and his foot injury last year. I want to be fair. And Kazubke played awesome. I give him a lot of credit. I know I've been very critical of him. But those eight points were probably the biggest, you know, apart from Noel's three at the end. Those were huge points that Luke had. So I want to be fair with Davion with his illness, but he is not progressing at all. He's going backwards. So I like easy, agu. <clears> yeah, Excuse
2: we'll me see.
1: to start. I think, I think he'll get himself there.
2: I'm not worried about Davion just simply for the fact that he has so much skill right now. He is struggling. And Bruce talked about it in the press conference today. He said he called him after the game and was like, dude, you know what? You had a terrible case of a sickness that can just wipe out so much. You lost. You were up for 10 days. You know, I, I don't know if you know this, fits Zach, Ryan, but they say every day that you don't practice, you don't condition. When you are in top-notch shape like that, you lose two days.
1: Oh, my God. I'm 700 years behind.
2: <laughs> That's almost a month. <laughs> Holy crap. Of conditioning that Davion was out for. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
2: I agree. So he was absolutely taken all the way back with this illness. I think he'll get there, but with how big he is, I mean, it affects him differently than it affects Nigel Pack, Marquise Noel. He's so much bigger, right? It affects him differently. I think he'll be back. Bruce says hopefully Christmas time. I think that's a little optimistic, but I think that eventually when you get into the heart of your conference play, Davion Bradford is so much more skilled than Casey. Right now you're right. Casey's earned it. But when you get into the heart, you have to have your most skilled guys. And I think he is so much more skilled offensively. Offensively, he's a lot more skilled than Casey is. Casey's a great rebounder. He can play defense at a decent clip. He can do all that kind of stuff. But Davion, if you get him the ball in the paint, he can score. I'm not sure Casey can do that yet. So that's – I agree with your starting five except for that.
4: I just – I fear that it might be a little deeper than just conditioning. I mean I get running up and down the court is a struggle right now, but – You know his post moves, his post defense. It was just awful. So I do want to be fair. I I don't want to be critical. We'll give him time to recover. But we haven't mentioned Noel. I think that there's an argument to be made there, absolutely. But unless he, until he can stop doing these, let's call them dumb plays. Well, I wouldn't put him in the starting five.
1: Nigel Pack's got to start, and you yeah, you can put them out there together at times, portions in the game, but. You don't want to start the game that way. You're going to have a matchup issue because Pax a point guard, and honestly, he's he's an adequate defender, but he's not as quick-footed as you'd want to cover a two on a yeah. on on a game-long basis. So, yeah, it uh, or physical enough. I I think I like your starting lineup. I I've said this: Mike McGraw's not a starter. Yep. He just isn't, and now he's starting as a gift. Bluntly put. This is just thank you for coming back. You get to start. And Bruce made some hard decisions in the course of the Wichita State game. Bradford, go sit down. You stink. He's Yaghi's playing. Ish, you stink. Get over here. Salton, you're playing. I mean, he made tough decisions and it's coming on Mike, who is valuable to have out there, but I don't think he needs to be in your starting lineup. Good enough? Yeah. I mean, Big 12 championship team, Elite Eight
4: team. He's coming off the bench playing 20 minutes a game. So if you really want to be that good team and make the big dance, I'm sorry. I love Mike, but he can't play more than 20 minutes a game.
2: He I think I, I, I think Bruce knows that based solely upon the fact that he struggled the first two games of the season. He started Selton. Mm-hmm. And then Selton was hurt, so Mike had to come back into the starting lineup. I don't think Mike's played bad over the course of these last few games. I think Selton's played better, but he's talked about without Pack, you have to have somebody on the bench that can come in, guard, and score. So that's kind of why Selton's been on the bench. That's why he was on the bench against Wichita. So I think Selton starting over Mike will happen sooner rather than later, especially when Nigel comes back.
4: But we haven't even, uh, Mark Smith, it was, it was Selton and Mike that started that secret scrimmage against Denver, or pardon me, Oregon in Denver, and Mark was the one that was struggling, I guess, at that point in time. So, I mean, Weber's flexible with this with this lineup, but I know it's not really comparable with the position, but Jamar Samuels was awesome coming off the bench mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah. If Selton embraces that, I guess I don't necessarily have no, I agree a you. huge problem with it, but we'll see what happens. We'll give it time.
1: We go. That's it for this edition of the Powercat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. As I mentioned, we're not done. We're about to record another version of this podcast with more of your questions from Wabash Station to post later in the week.
0: Thank you for listening to the Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: old school legends modern power
2: players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars
0: and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast
2: listen to mtv's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts